Dixie and I are so excited to bring you the people that have chosen to partner with us as patrons at our partnership patron level that are now our anti-trafficking advocates. Thank you, Willie P and Mo. We're so excited that you want to partner with us to get education into classrooms that will fight trafficking around the United States. If you would like to be part of our partnership patron program, definitely visit patreon.com forward slash bringfreedom.org to learn more. Hey guys, welcome to the Persons with Lived Experience podcast. Inspiring stories for unprecedented times with Dixie and Sona. You know, why are we even working on this guy? I hear it through through the blinds. Why are we even working? He don't he don't want to be clean. We wasted Narcan. We're wasting Narcan. Narcan's a life-saving drug for some mm-hmm. listener who doesn't know what that is. It's the blocks, right? It it it, it takes you in, into opiate withdrawal, but it brings you out of an opiate overdose, right? And I believe in harm reduction drugs just as Narcan and how important, because it saved my life. This podcast contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take precautions for yourself. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dixie. I'm all about joy, justice, and fair trade fashion. I'm an anti-trafficking advocate, mom of many, and passionate worshiper. And I'm Sona. I am a writer, a speaker, a person with lived experience of both human trafficking and homelessness, a tiny house enthusiast, and a serial foodie. Our guest today is Joey Pagano. He is a licensed social worker, therapist, professor, and certified recovery specialist with over a decade of experience in the drug and alcohol field. He's a recovering addict who is the author of three books, including No Addict Left Behind. It's a recovery medicine state of mind, which will release on April 25th of this year, 2023. Um, Joey's story encompasses the clinical medical and personal experiences of the stigma of addiction and recovery. Thank you for joining us today. I'm just glad to be here and I look forward to the show. Absolutely. Well, we're excited to actually get to hear your story. Um, Obviously, you've done a lot since then, but uh, how is it that you kind of came into this line of work? Well, through my experiences in life, you know, I'm in a profession where I didn't choose, it chose me. So I'm here as a byproduct where I'm just here to make a difference in this world. True. Wonderful. Um, so what happened in your life that kind of ended up down that path? Well, like I said, is I, I, I come from uh, a lot of experiences that have shaped who I am, right? I, I didn't always want to be a social worker. Um I didn't know what a social worker it was. I didn't know what addiction was. I didn't, right? I, I didn't know I was an addict. Um, I come from a time, and I'm 47. I, I, I come from a time and a place uh, where, you know, addiction is, is very stigmatized. Yeah. Um, 
you know, my mother comes from the baby boomer era where, you know, we had like one attic in our community. I, I come from a suburb that's 30 miles southwest of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Okay. We call it the Mon Valley. It's named after the Monongahela River. And it used to be called the Magic City. The economy, you know, it, it boomed. It was a great place to, to raise your children. Uh, right. And, and and like I said, is there was... Uh, you know, still heavy stigma at that time, but there wasn't enough addicts to be stigmatized. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of how it was. And and like I said, I come from a, a, a good family, right? Um, mm -hmm. And, and you know, like I said, a very highly dysfunctional family, um, but there was love there and there was like, you know, mental abuse and, and, and there was a lot of stuff mm -hmm. that went on. And, mm -hmm. and like I said, I, I come from, you know, the high school era where, you know, I had a lot of trauma uh, that came along with my life, uh, you know, heavily abused at school, um, you know, bullied, uh, you know, back before we have, you know, uh, social media bullying, right? There was no phones. And, and that's the time and, and period where I come from, okay? Graduated in 94, barely graduated high school, just barely, right? I didn't want to be there. I didn't, I couldn't conceptualize anything past high school. I couldn't see anything, right? I, I come from a time where, you know, drugs, uh, we'll just say addiction was was marijuana was back when it was illegal, right? And, and, and it was alcohol, right? And and just partying was, was not uh, detrimental to your health as of yet. And, and I didn't know I was an addict. And I, that's, that's where I come. And I want to give the, the listeners like, that's the most tangible place that that maybe maybe you could reach out and touch and, and identify with yourself. And that's how it was for my area. And I, and, and I remember that where, you know, um, addiction just just wasn't a it, it just wasn't a fun place as it progressed through my life. You know, um, when you get bullied in school, you know, you just try to fit in. You don't want bullied. You don't want and, and you got, you know, a family that's at one end you have. And, and I use these words, uh, you know, the, the, very convicted when I say that we have dogma in our country today in so many areas. And dogma is like that rigid, unbending doctrine. Yeah. yeah. Do it this way or or you ain't that. Right. That, that's a chapter in my book. It, it's it's a profound statement to me because mm -hmm. we live in a world that is still uh, it, it is still shaped by that 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 philosophy, that ideology, whatever you want to call it. And and a lot of the decisions that I made that I'm sure a, a lot of listeners can identify with that maybe they made in their life were were decided by that, by that dogma. Right. It was why, my, why even try? Why even try to, to do this? Because you have a chance of failing. And if you fail, then you can't fail, Joey. You're not good enough. And, and, and I got, you know, just, you know, that doctrine in so many areas of my life put me in a corner where, where I, I, I was stuck. And, and it's just like you're stuck in this closet, this dark corner where you can't get out. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the stigma is so thick that it could just kill someone, you know, and these were the these this was a time in my life where um, it shaped me and who I was. So, yeah. you know, 
barely, I barely graduated, right? I don't know how I did. And, and like I said, is I, I was probably close to last in my class. I couldn't, I, I couldn't see the, the value of education when, when marijuana and alcohol are now unraveling and just controlling my life. And as you're consumed with the disease of addiction, where, like I said, at this time, I didn't know what, what addiction was. I didn't know I was an addict. You know, we talk about, uh, right. Like I'm a clinician and I'll get to that, but I'm a clinician now. And, and like, we see that like the seeds of addiction are planted long before we pick up some kind of drug. And we see that like the trauma of our, our experiences, like that trauma that we hold on to shapes those things in our life. And right. It, the trauma is like, it, it cultivates, those seeds of addiction that are planted. And as they, as they continue to grow, um, you're shaped into who you are. So I tried to escape and, um, you know, I figured, listen, um, um, I'm smoking marijuana all the time. I am drinking every day, uh, Mm -hmm. trying to fit in. And I found myself like, listen, like what else is there to do? So I, I went to the army. I went to the army. I figured that has to be a place where I can escape. Now, when we look at the army today in our world, we look at some of the history back in the 90s, right? I graduated high school in the 90s. And and we hear about some of the the policies in in our world where we had, where the LGBTQ has that, and it was in the military called Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And we hear about like all that stuff, but you never hear about uh, which there should have been a, a, a similar thing for addicts because the stigma was just as thick, right? So it was, it was. I got there. I wanted to be cool, right? Cool in the military and and blend in. And 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 I didn't know I was an addict. And when you don't know you're an addict, and maybe you have some kind of moral dilemma or something going on, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're in trouble, and that's how it was. And you know, I'm half a world apart. A, a from my family and uh just trying to survive and uh, you know i wanted to i wanted to be able to just uh you know live uh, a productive life but like i didn't even know i didn't know like where i was at or what i was doing or, or what was wrong with me um i'm just trying to merely survive from a near fatal catastrophe which was addiction that was progressing in my life so i found myself in the military and uh you know i uh you know i have i you know the book i wrote is called no addict left behind and and it focuses on some of this stigma and you know being a veteran um i always think of no veteran left behind because you know i'm a veteran and i i suffer from the disease of addiction but you know that stigma almost killed me. I remember just getting right. Like I, I come upon on a test and I'm getting thrown out of the military. And, and like, that was where I seen my life going in, in some kind of hope. Um, I, 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 I had some hope, but I, I didn't know what was going on. They, they dropped me off at the, the interstate. Just like, go get out of here. You junkie, just go. Yeah. Wow. And I used to, uh, uh you know, uh, I, I had to, I had to walk like, you know, uh, I don't know how many miles and, and down the interstate and, you know, I'm kicked out of the military and I'm, and I'm struggling and I, I'm sent back in the same dark corner. I came from back to my home in Pittsburgh and, and now like my addiction has flourished and like, I don't even know I'm an addict. I, I just, I just think maybe if I could just, 
used correctly, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know what recovery is. Um, I was stigmatized so bad. I mean, just imagine that. You don't even know what's going on. And you find yourself in the depths of hell. And hell isn't just to me. Hell isn't just a place maybe we could go. It's something I carried around for almost 22 years with me, right? It was, it was cultivated through the stigma of no veteran left behind, right? It, it was, I was a human being, but not given the grace the unmerited favor, right, of, of, of anything, right? I just, I just was just, go and leave here, you junkie. And uh, I found myself back in PA and, uh, you know, uh, addiction got crazy. Sure. Right? It, it did, you know. Um, you know, there's no promises in addiction when the money when the money and the drugs run out, right? There's no friends. There's no holidays in addiction, right? Like in addiction, like the best way to conceptualize this is like my addiction was like a was like a because this is this is in the 90s the late 90s and, and i'm getting out of the military and i'm back in pa and 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 my addiction is progressing and addiction was just like a drill sergeant like listen joey and they would just tap me on the shoulder you better wake up today and you're gonna march for me and you're not going to stop and you're not going to be sick. And there's no holidays. There's no birthdays. There's no time for that. You ain't fishing today. Right? You're marching for me. And I just, I just salute and I say, yes, sir. And I would march and I would suit up every day. Right. And I was looking right like um, I, 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 120 pounds soaking wet. Right. Barely eating. And, and it would just progress. Right. Mm -hmm. There's crack cocaine then heroin. Then I found myself a full blown heroin junkie for decades, mm -hmm. lost in addiction, trying to only dream of hope, dream of relationships, dream of eating dinner with my family. And it would just get worse and worse. And, and, and I just I just found myself lost. You know, my dad would just say, listen, Joey, why can't you quit? Why can't you quit? Yeah, I, I wish addiction was that easy because I didn't understand what was going wrong with me. I didn't understand. I, I still, I was an addict. There was no, there was no education about that. There was no, I was aware that something was going on, right? I was killing myself. I was slowly committing suicide. Yeah. And um, I would just salute the disease of addiction daily in March. And I was the best soldier. And I didn't, I did work and, and it was a job and, and it, right. It was a job that I didn't get paid for. Okay. And I, and I worked overtime and, and, and I worked every day and, uh, you know, and, and addiction just didn't stop. It didn't stop. And it, and it took me, it, it just took me and, and I was held prisoner forever. It felt like, you know, I, uh, I keep those memories like close to my heart and uh you know it keeps me centered in my life like listen like i i when i was young i i didn't tell school listen when i grow up i want to be a junkie right mm -hmm. i grow up this is what i want to do i had dreams mm -hmm. i wanted to be a dad i wanted to be a dad i wanted to be a son i wanted to make a difference right you know, I'm, I, I am a social worker today and, I, and I'll get to that. But like, like I said, like that profession chose me. Like I said, is like all the choosing I did was some bad choosing throughout my life with some bad decisions. Right. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I just I was just lost. 
I was lost thinking I was such a failure. I failed life. And right, you know, and, and, and like I said, but there's hope. And hope tells me today that there's no failures. There's just delayed successes. Yeah. And that's what I was. And I had all these struggles in my life that I'll talk about, like struggle after struggle, just wanting to die. Maybe I could just die and just escape life and not have to disappoint one more person with their, you know, and they would unconditionally love me until they had to like get away because I became like a, like a spiritual vampire. I would suck the love out of people and I would take everything they gave me and I would just burn that bridge until they wanted nothing to do with me. But one thing I figured out is my struggles didn't define me. They didn't find me into who I am today. Right? It just, you know, all those memories and uh, it just, you know, I was lost. And uh, I just spent years in dereliction and just wanting to die and just mm -hmm. wanting to die and just can't this. God, why, you know, uh, uh, why did I get woke up again? Why do I got to go to work again for the disease of addiction? Why can't I just fall asleep and never wake up? Yeah. I am tired of this stuff. Tried to kill myself many times and overdose on heroin. It just wouldn't work. And nobody would let me be at peace. You know? And uh, that's how I felt. Yeah. I felt. And I couldn't stop. And, you know, and I... I, I I didn't know what to do, you know, and, and when there's like nothing left, you know, when there's nothing left and, you know, I, I would, I would, I wanted to be there for my son. And I remember jumping in and out of, right. I, I, I would try, I would try to be there for family and see, like I say, a kid's love is not enough for an addict. It's not enough. Kids love doesn't keep you clean. Mm -hmm. Everything fits in the syringe, everything. Everything fits in the crack pipe. Everything fits in the joint. It all got to go, right? It all got to go. That's how, that's how it goes. No, dad, I can't quit. Why can't you quit, Joey? I can't quit, dad. Why can't you? I can't quit, dad. I remember those conversations. You know, when he just give me like the last of my luggage. I have like three pieces of clothing. I look lethargic. I was ready to die. I was ready to give up. But I didn't give up yet. And I didn't kill myself yet. And I'd be, I remember the stigma of, of a, you know, we talk about like an emergency room. As an emergency room is nowhere for, is nowhere good for an addict. Um, you know, I, I think people need to hear. And, and, and like in my book, I put tangible experiences, that stigma. So people can identify whether they're parents, whether they're addicts, whether they're children, and whether they're a practitioner. Mm -hmm. that had that stigma themselves. I remember being in that ER, damn junkies, you know, and I get those words and I, I, I'd be waking up from an overdose and, and the EMTs and the nurses and the physicians would, you know, why are we even working on this guy? I hear it through, through the blinds. Why are we even working? He don't, he don't want to be clean. We wasted Narcan. We're wasting Narcan. Narcan's a life-saving drug for some mm -hmm. listener that doesn't know what that is. It's the blocks, right? It it it, it takes you in, into opiate withdrawal, but it brings you out of an opiate overdose, right? And I believe in harm reduction drugs just as Narcan and how important because it saved my life. Sure. Right? It saved my life. And and but I I, I that stigma was there and 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 they were telling me. 
you know, uh, those words and I, and I heard them and, and I knew though, after that moment, like an ER is no place for an addict. Um, you know, and like, that's, that's, that's how it happened. You know, that, that's how some of those, and it happened multiple times. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it wasn't. How many times would you say that you think you overdosed? No, no, maybe eight, eight, nine times. Um, yeah, eight, nine times. And and like I said, listen, I work with clients today that use once and die. I have friends today in my own recovery program that use once and die. I have friends that have been clean for years that use once and die. Yeah. Right. I have friends that think they could use steroids and steroids turn into to then the next thing I know, they're they're using IV heroin. Right. They're shooting mm-hmm. You know, as a slang for that, however you want to say that, but like that's what happened. The next thing I know, they think they could just play with fire and then the fire burns them. Yeah. They're no longer here. So like yeah. that's that's like what happens. And, and 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 that's how dangerous and serious this insidious disease is. So I, I, I would go through moments like that, like in the hospital. Um, and look, I gave you those experience like eight or nine times overdose. Yet I have friends. I told you like one time. Right. I, I have fr- I have people that I know that like we're talking one time ever. Yeah. Their first time. And, and it, like their single time and they use and die. Mm-hmm. So that's how it is today. It's a dangerous place today. Um, mm-hmm. Not that it wasn't before, but. We've manufactured substances. We have fentanyl coming from like, you know, different countries. So we just, we have a lot of different stuff there. They put fentanyl. I just seen, you know, articles where they're putting it in everything. See, like that's what we deal with today, um, you know, in this world. So I would, I would go through experiences like that. Listen, I have a, I have a chapter in my book, um, when harm reduction is all you have, because I believe in harm reduction. I remember overdosing. I, I, I remember like the moments with my mother, right? I'd be sitting, I was sitting on a swing at, at our home, right? I, I, it was, it was before like they just, you know, discernment and, and, and they practiced discernment with me and just let me and love me from like way far over there. I remember overdosing, sitting right next to my mother, you know, and, and I put that in my book, but in the first person through my mom's eyes. So parents need to hear that. I remember I was talking to her, right? She, this is what she, she, she was talking to me. I was talking and, and we were discussing, I don't know what. And the next thing you know, I nodded off. I, I overdosed. I, I passed out and, and she's screaming and she's just, please God, save my son. EMTs are there, right? There's stigma. They're, they're saying stuff about me. It was, it was just, just imagine that scene, right? Mm-hmm. Just imagine neighbors coming over. I'm half dead. They're, they're CPR. All the things are happening. My mother's on her knees, screaming to God, screaming to the neighbors. You know what I mean? Like, take me. That's what I did to my mother. Um, that's what addiction takes you. Like it, it, it just, it just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Those are like raw moments. How do you, how do you not give up on your child when that happens? I mean, how much does the pain have to be? You know, my mom, I always call her like, she's a soldier. Like, you know, um, those are, those are dark moments. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, and then after that moment, I didn't stay clean. I didn't. I didn't. I, I was mad at the EMTs, right? When they brought me into opiate withdrawal. You saved my life again. I mean, come on. 
Mm-hmm. I, gotta, I gotta do this job again because this was a job. This was a job, and and, and this is like, and I was tired, you know, and, and I was tired, and, and I I didn't know if I could go on. Bring Freedom's live anti-trafficking equipping event is coming up March 30th through April 1st. Sign up for the Vision and Intention Challenge today. You don't want to miss this. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoy hearing stories of persons with lived experience and would like to support our efforts, join our Patreon team. In addition to exclusive benefits, you will also be listed as an anti-trafficking advocate on each episode of our podcast. Now, during your addiction, did you um, did you struggle with homelessness? Yes, yes. Listen, I mean the homelessness uh, it goes hand in hand. Okay, you know when I think of. Uh, when I think of social work as a whole, I think of like, uh, you know, systems theory. I think of how, you know, how important it is where like when you look at someone, like how every part of their life affects the other. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could use it and say it's holistic. Like, I, I believe in all that where, you know, as an addict in addiction, merely surviving in this catastrophe. Right. Like the last thing I worry about is housing. Um, I don't worry about housing. I don't worry about uh you know, all these different areas, right, that that would impact uh, someone where right? we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, we think of like, you know, the ba- some of the basic needs of someone um, were not important. You know, it's like I, I think of drugs, money to buy drugs, foods like it's not really important because food's a luxury. Right. Because like, the, the, the you know, I got to pay for my dr- and all that. So homelessness was. You know, I I live wherever Mm -hmm. I live, wherever I lived on the streets for, you know, all over, all over the place. And I I found myself where I mean, it just you ever hear this like it was like distorted comfortability in familiar pain. Sure. You know, I mean, it just it was default. I live by default. That's always the best uh, description. I I live by default and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever happened, happened. And and then. And, and it was, it was just, it was that hell that I carried around, yeah. you know, and, and it all goes together. You know, I, I tell my clients today that like, I mean, listen, like you, you, you can't just go to treatment. Um, I mean, you can, but like, you know, in my belief, like I try to tell them like how important it is to like, not just go to treatment and go back to the same toxic environment that you, that you came from. Right. Mm-hmm. If you live there and, and, and you live in an environment where your parents use, Right. Everybody uses and the house is toxic and and you just go back there trying to stay clean off of any kind of illicit substance. Um, we'll just say it's not impossible, but it makes it very difficult. Right. It, it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, it's like I, I would think that's very important. Um, right. I, I'm, I'm just that's just my experience, um, you know. Like I said, I gave I gave the examples of uh, of systems theory and and also with Maslow and, and also with, you know, uh, all the different things like looking at holistic, like that's what makes sense to me. Right. Um, if you do a program of treatment and you have no transportation to get to the treatment, then that is going to be really hard to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, 
and if if you live in that toxic area and, and, and every day you just see those people use, which was like what I did, um, it's going to be very hard to stay clean. Um, yeah. You know, so that's kind of, you know, the way I look at it. Like if, if you're homeless, if you have nowhere to go at all and, and you just live on the streets, you know, it's going to be a lot. You're, you're, you know, you're looking at a very hard situation to put your in. It's just going to be bad. Um, and and I, I couldn't, it's just hard to like see past that stuff. I mean, it's, it's hard to like, especially if someone just in early recovery, you know, I would be right. Get clean, use back in. You know, then I'm just, you know, obsessed and compelled to use. And I find myself right. I'm not living anywhere. I'm homeless. Nobody wants me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm stealing for whatever money, you know, all the different things that come as a byproduct of addiction. Right. There was no like I said, there's no, there's no holidays. There's no birthdays. There's every day is a, a get high day. There's something to get high with. Like, that's how it was. And, 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 you know, that, that's just, that's how it went for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it was some dark days. So I know that you had mentioned a son. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a, a son during that time frame. Yes. Um, were, are you able to be in contact with him now? Yeah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell you about that. Um, listen, I've, I've been clean now almost 10 years and, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, our kids, um, I, I focused, I put a, we'll just say this. I haven't seen my son Xavier, <clears throat> you know, he's 18 now and I haven't seen him in 10 years. And, uh, I, I've, I've literally just started texting him. Okay. And this is how long it's taken, but we're talking someone where addiction will take everything. Yeah. And I put a chapter in my book where, listen, I have a addiction gives me stuff also. Right. And my son's name is Xavier with a Z. And I have an adopted brother who's 12. His birthday was yesterday. His name is Xavier with an X, who my parents adopted through the the, the uh, hard-won experiences of addiction. And and listen, with my son, I put a chapter, I put two chapters in there. Um, one is called uh, Not Just a Brother, But a Best Friend. And that's my, my brother, Xavier. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's also like a, another chapter called, which I think kids and I think parents hopefully they could, you know, it would benefit them because that's my purpose. Um, and it's called addiction is a family disease. One person uses, but the whole family suffers. Oh, yeah. And uh, my son, you know, I, I put a, I put a big moment in there to me, you know, just being at the park and he's six and, and the disease of addiction is like that drill sergeant. And, and, and I wouldn't let me spend time with him. It, it just said, Joey, you're all mine. And you're not spending any time with your son. And my son would just be, you know, he would tell my mom and he would just be like, why is, why is daddy so sick? And my mom would be like, I don't know. And, and I wanted to spend time with my son. And, 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 but the disease wouldn't let me. And I, and I couldn't be a dad. And all I wanted to do was be a dad. Cause I'd be a good dad. And, uh, and you know, like that's what a disease of addiction does. And I put moments in, in the book like that, you know, moments like, you know, it, it took me through, uh, uh, like I said, I'm not just a brother, but a best friend. It took me through, it's kind of crazy how stuff happened. And, and like, just imagine going through moments like I just told you. And, and there's a whole, I guess it's a whole chapter talking about, like, just imagine moments like that where where you just abandon. We talk about just abandon uh, your child 
right? Where, where there's no time for them and they, they don't know what's wrong with you. And then you don't even see them for years and you don't, you just want to be a good dad, just a dad. And, and you have no inner peace, inner strength, anything. And you get, you get clean and, and you're just still just nothing. And, and I remember like Xavier and that whole story about my about my brother, Xavier, how he paved the way to become a best friend. An 11 year old showed me how to be a dad and a best friend. And, and, and like I said, and, and like through like, uh, uh, you know, experiences and, and through all that, like, like I'm slowly, you know, talking to my son, um, you know, and I could talk, I could talk on that forever, but that's a whole nother story. But, you know, uh, like that's what happens. And, you know, we have people in our lives that become like divine appointments. And it's like, I think they're just placed in our lives and they're able to get us through areas. And my brother was that guy, that kid, you know, and uh, I love him with all my heart. And he'd help me just understand like that, that like, you know, I'm not broken forever. I just need it repaired. And, uh, you know. And I put, I even like interviewed him in the first person. Like he talks in there. He's like, man, you're a good, you're the best brother. It's like, you're the best brother, bro. And then he talks to me and, and he just sees stuff in me that I can't see, um, you know, and, and that's what kids do. And, and like I said, it's about no kid left behind, no parent left behind. Listen, you know, you don't want to give up on parents. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get up, give up on kids, right? You never know when they're going to get clean. You never know what's wrong with them. Right. Or we're just all like our struggles don't define me. I wasn't defined in those moments. It, it's easy for me to say. And it, it, it like it says, it's it, it, it this, this is just a process. And our kids got to go through their own trauma. Right. Just like our parents got to go through their own trauma and therapy and all the different stuff they have to go through. Um, so I'm trying to form my relationship back with my son. Still, that's how much work it takes. Still. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but. The, the truth of the matter is, is there's always hope. There's always, there's always hope, you know, um, that's what my story is about. It's about hope, you know? And, and, and I remember like, I, I, I told everybody about all that, like those dark times and, and like my darkest moment, you know, where, like I said, it is, is like, I mean, where my life had to change. It, it went through all that stuff in my son. It went through all that stuff with, um, all the different stuff, like, right, that living hell and all those different. And, and like, I, I never thought I was going to get through that. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2013, I was, uh, I remember, you know, uh, the disease woke me up and said, you need to get up and you're not going to be sick today. And you need to go. And I got up, you know, I can remember this just like it was yesterday. And I, I would, I marched down the, down the street and I was sweating and I was, um, you know, just feeling horrible. And, and I found myself uh, just marching for the disease and, and like I was just hurting and, you know, and uh, it, was, it was just like I, I didn't know what was going to happen because I was ready to kill myself. Like every minute there was a change in decision. Right. It was like the left side of my brain trying to come up with a, an idea and the right side is trying to buy it. That's how it worked. And I got to this gas station and uh, I didn't have any money. And I, and I never forget. I, I, I went in. I went in and we're like I lived in a small town. Everybody knew everybody. But like the disease tells you and nobody know who you are in this town, Joey. Put your hood up. Right. Put your hood up and you go in there 
and you just tell me get whatever money you can. They're not going to know who it is. I remember that. And I just said, yes, sir. And I just wanted to die. And I couldn't mm-hmm. take it anymore. And I went in. I didn't have a weapon. I didn't do anything. And I just went in with the hood. And I robbed them. I took money. Um, and I ran. And I got high. And, and I ran down the street. And uh, I was down there on the sidewalk. And I was across the street. I stopped when I was across the street from the uh, police station. And I sat down, yeah, I sat down on, the, on the sidewalk. And I had my phone. I had my phone at the time. Um, and I called my mom. I said, listen, I said, mom, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't do this no more. I said, you're never going to talk to me again. I'm killing myself. I'm sorry. And she's screaming on the phone. I said, tell dad, bye. And I failed this family. And I'm sorry. Tell my son. I said, I love him. I said, you never. And she's screaming. And I says, I can't do it. And tears are going down and I'm sweating. And she screams and says, no. And I just hang up. I just left her in that moment. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm just like, put my head down like that. And I put my hands over my head and, uh, I, I just, I needed to just kill myself and get out of this. Cause I, I know it's going to be worse. And, and, and like, I looked up, I, I, I looked up and just said, please help. And I remember I felt like I was being carried across the street. Mm-hmm. And what happened at that moment, I just, I walked across the street and I walked in the side of the police station and, and I looked crazy. And I know they probably thought I was crazy. And I saw the police chief and I th- saw like a detective and I said, please just arrest me. I'm going to kill myself. I can't do it anymore. And they took me. And, and, and like, I remember it was just a, you know, it was a moment, right? Like, like moments like that. And, 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 and they, you know, it, it just, when you either get busy living or you get busy dying. Yeah. And I, and I got, I got busy living and, and they arrested me and put me in a drug program and, and, and I've been clean ever since. Mm-hmm. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Like that, right? Just that easy. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. Like you don't even I, I, it still amazes me this day. Like that stuff happened and, and you know, and, and, and I had hope. Mm-hmm. I had hope that it was gonna be okay, you know. Because mm-hmm. like I said, you don't know what's gonna happen. And, and like I said, I, I was I was moments away from taking my own life. I, I I just did that to my mother, right? She thinks I'm dead, probably. Like it was crazy. And uh mm-hmm. You know, I found myself and, you know, I did my time and I got out and uh, I was ready to do this. Mm-hmm. I was out ready to save lives. You know what I mean? I knew at that point what the Blues brother says, we are on mission from God. That's what I said. I'm here. I'm in early recovery. Let's go save as many people as we can. I had like recovery flowing through my body and I was ready to do this. Yeah, and, and, and I was in a town in need of uh, of someone, and uh, like I was like a recovery cowboy, you know. Um, that's what I was. You should see. And I I, I ended up through like a, a, a long journey. I, I I became the president of this nonprofit group called Club Serenity Inc. and and, and I helped lead the expansion. And right, I I told you I barely graduated high school. 
and listen, like it didn't matter. So I said, listen, we need to make up some 501c3. And I says, does anybody know a, a lawyer? We can't afford that. I started mm -hmm. watching YouTube. I taught myself to be a paralegal from YouTube. Listen, I'm writing grants. Um, um, I, I got us a 501c3 from watching YouTube. Um, I decked out my car in these decals. Um, I, uh, I made it like the recovery mobile. I yeah. put this uh, this phoenix like like an like an attic. We rise from the ashes, and um, so now I got like this big phoenix on my car and these hands, mm -hmm. and like I would drive around trying to help people. People thought I was nuts. <laughs> guess what? I was clean, and I was just I was just filled with joy, and I was filled with empathy and compassion. And right, I didn't choose that. This chose me. Yes, and I was just helping people, and and and. You know, I was I was living like I was on fire, and and I like listen. I, I have I have conversations, you know, um, with my friends, and and I listen. Like you need to do something. What do I do? Let's go to city council. Let's try to talk them into like reducing stigma from, of addiction. Uh, and, and and like we need help. And Joey, you might just be the help they need. Wow. I went there and I talked to city council, and I made a difference. And. You know, um, I helped write grants to some of the first recovery houses that came to fruition after, you know, years later after leaving this, this, this recovery group, I just made a difference. And like I said, I did that for several years and I wanted to grow. And, and I, uh, I started my doctor of social work, right. And I'm like 60% done. I'll be done next March. Yeah. You know, I'll be Dr. Pagano, just crazy. Right? Yeah. You know, it's crazy. So um, along the way, um, I mean, just so many experiences happen. I, I, I met a, I met a good friend, colleague, the uh, medical director of that facility, Dr. Scott A. Cook. Um, you know, he's a well-known, uh, recovery medicine physician and his belief system parallels mine. Just don't give up on someone. Right. Cause I, 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 I nobody gave up on me. They did in certain capacities where they had to protect themselves. Right. Sometimes you have to do that. You have to love people from distances, but we don't give up. Right. I, I got it. I don't know how many times I've been to treatment, a, a lot of times. But if they would have given up, if they would have gave up, you know, the one time before I got clean, I wouldn't be here. So, you know, and that's how it works. So Dr. Scott A. Cook, I uh, I was getting out of the shower one day and I had this epiphany. Um, I need to write a book and it needs to be about not giving up about people. And, and I need to do this. And I dictated it. I hurried up in messenger and I sent it to him. I said, Scott, listen, we got to do this. And, uh, you know, and, and I knew it and he knew it was important. And listen, this is, this is why like I'm in doctor, you know, a doctor of social work, I'm, I'm project supervisor, my own recovery, married kid, all kind of stuff going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, it was like that Blues Brothers moment again. I was like, I'm on a mission from God. I went downstairs and I was like a machine and I wrote and I wrote day in, day out. Like my wife always jokes. She's like, you almost got divorced at that time. <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? and, and listen, I just wrote. It was crazy. And I wrote and I wrote. And uh, yeah, I did that in like, I don't even know how long it took me. But it didn't take me long. And I, I wrote like 200 pages of, of a book and it was crazy. Um, but I did it. And it was... You know, and it, it all worked out and uh, we called it No Attic Left Behind. And we both, you know, we love like an eclectic, uh, like a genre of music. And uh, Scott loves, uh, you know, Dr. Cook loves 
you know, uh, Jay Z, he has a you know empire state of mind. So we call it a recovery medicine state of mind. And uh, you know, it kind of kind of caught right. It was a good hook, and uh, and and we wanted to like you know just make a difference by like giving people a tangible experience of not an autobiography uh, autobiography of me, but like experiences that like we can let readers like identify and then transform into these stories if it's applicable to. So where would they um, access the book? Do you have like a pre-sale going on? Yes. Well, uh, right now uh, it's going to be available on April 25th on Amazon. And, you know, we haven't decided what bookstores uh, we're working on that right now. Um, as of right now, there's no pre-sale. So April 25th on Amazon. Uh, we haven't decided. That's going to be decided at a later date. Um, but like I said is, uh, you know, I'm on podcasts. I'm on, you know, all kinds of things, uh, you know, describing the book. You could also see me on my website, noaddictleftbehind.life. And we put it on there. And, and like I said, this is just another experience where a door of opportunity happened. And like now it's just like I want to be of service to a much broader uh, population because like the kids and parents are such collateral damage to a disease where I don't want to see them get left behind. Mm -hmm. And like that was our reasoning. And uh, and we did that and 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 see like the, like the miracles um the miracles that, uh, of, of all my experience was like, you know, now I'm going to continue to help people even after I'm gone. You Your know? story is like really inspiring. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. And uh, yeah, really, I can't wait till your book comes out. I know it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I'm honored to be here. I really am. This podcast is sponsored by Bring Freedom. To learn more about how to prevent and end human trafficking in your own community, please visit bringfreedom.org and join our partnership program. Thank you for joining us for the Persons with Lived Experience podcast today. I hope you're enjoying season three of these inspiring stories for unprecedented times. Please share with your community so together we can make more ripples to create waves of change.